we are back again, this time with Kira Bronson and Aubrey Riley of Violet Moons. Thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us back. You two are the only people besides my sister and my niece that know how much I love cats. <laughs> I feel like nobody, <laughs> nobody else knows. I mean, I post about cats like in my story all the time, but I feel like people don't truly understand the barrage of TikToks yeah. Yeah. that I send. And it's International Cat Day today. Is it? What? Yes. I had today. no idea about that. I wow. didn't know either. How fitting. Yeah. yeah of course. Of course you guys are here today for that. <laughs> How appropriate is that? <laughs> yeah, that is appropriate. I um, love sending you cat dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, the cat talks are essential. <laughs> It's I a, always send them to you and Kira. Yeah, it's the same. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, um, I'll, I also send stuff to my my sister. That way she could show my niece. Mm-hmm. So, like, I follow a couple of, of accounts on Twitter, too, that are all cats. <laughs> and it's just, like, there's this one of this cat, and he gets st- stuck under, like, you know, they have storm windows in Florida mm-hmm. to where it's like you just put it down for when a hurricane comes mm-hmm. to cover it up. Well, it's a cat that's stuck between that and a window. Oh, and oh I said I said that to my sister and there's another one I sent her. It's of a cat jumping on a, a shower curtain and there's like a person behind it. I and then an, another oh, cat is just that. watching. Did you get that rave one I sent you? I don't know which which one. I think I just sent it last night or the okay. night before, but it's all these cats. Like I don't know, they filmed it with all these like crazy black lights and like uh, it's it's too much. You just have to see it. But the comments were hilarious. They were mm-hmm. like, "This is the most accurate depiction of a rave I've ever seen." <laughs> and in one of the scenes, the cat's throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny as fuck. I have a friend, and he just got done, uh, like, house-sitting for a cat. He doesn't, like, have a cat or hasn't been around a lot of cats. And he was like, oh, my God, it's so weird. It just got in the toilet. (laughs) And I'm like, that's what they do. He's like, it just stood there and meowed at me. He just stared at me from 10 feet away. I'm like, yeah, they do that. like, yep, sounds about right. My grandmother, she used to just um, collect stray animals. (laughs) She, no joke, she had like 30 dogs and 20 cats. Oh, wow. And she trained one of her cats to use the toilet instead of the litter box. I've heard of people That's doing so that. That's so insane yeah. that people have, can do I that. I have a friend who trained a cat, and it was like a kitten. Yeah, you have to do it when they're a kitten. Yeah. New, it's too late for our cats. Yeah, it's too, yeah. Late. It's too late for Jorah and Noki. <laughs> I'm building trust with Noki, though. I at least pet him every other time I come over now. Yeah. You just got to get him when he's sleepy. Yeah, yes. But they're lovers, not brothers. We've come... They love each other. Yeah, we thought that they were brothers for a long time, but we think that they're they love each other. Why? What? What? Uh, what? What have you witnessed between Jorah and Noki? It's that like, seems romantic. It's <laughs> like a a bond that is unbreakable. They, it is, but that could also. I don't know. I don't know. We can't tell. I don't know. I think. That, I think that they love each other. Jorah's definitely the like. Um, Noki's definitely the emotional one. Yeah. In the relationship. Yeah, Jorah like isn't always like Noki always 
always wants to like rub up on Jorah. He's like very affectionate him. to Jorah. And Jorah will sometimes, but he doesn't always want it. He'll be like, nope, not right now. Mm-hmm. But Noki is obsessed with Jorah. Like yes. it's the cutest thing ever. Always wants to be around him. Wants to be around him, wants to rub on him, wants to lick him, or wants Jorah to bathe him. Yeah. You know, it's like, really cute. When we had in, when we had that other cat living with us, Noki hated her. It was a bloodbath. And it like she brought out his dark side, but yeah. he never acts like that towards Jorah. Ever. Like they never even like tackle like they, they never were kind fight, of woman really. haters, honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which they, we did not raise them to be like that. They hated <laughs> they hated her. They hated her, but they love each other. Like yeah. they never fight or like uh, at each other or anything. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it once. I sometimes I see them chilling together, sometimes I see them chilling separate. They're just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. They seem to have boundaries with each other. They give each other space. <laughs> it's Jorah that's setting the boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> Because Jorah's been by himself before without another cat, but, like, Noki's pretty much known to be around Jorah. Right. Yeah, Jorah likes his independence. Noki always wants to be up Jorah's ass. But you know what? Since the day I met Jorah, he has not given a fuck. He was that way even as a kitten? I mean, he was a little bit more—he was more affectionate when he was a kitten, but, you know, they all grow old, and they're just too cool. I think maybe when he gets older, older— cut off and then they're like eh. yeah i think he'll circle back hopefully he might he d- he does still know i'm his mom oh you know for sure he 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 uh he respects kiera more than anyone else yeah i mean he knows jura, that's his mom. jura d- doesn't seem like he's big on respecting other people <laughs> Hell he, no. He ba- he barely even acknowledges me sometimes when I'm over there. I'll be like, hey, Jorah, and I'll try and pet him, and he'll just keep looking out the window. <laughs> He's, like, shunning you. Yeah, he just doesn't give a fuck. He's like, I'm doing other stuff right now. He's like, I can't talk right now. I've got squirrels to watch. <laughs> How was Bob Fest? It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. We didn't really know what to expect because we'd never been. We had heard a bunch of great things, but... It was, like, a nice little, like, getaway from the craziness that is Nashville. It's in Adams, For Tennessee. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's where the the Bell Witch is, right? Yeah. Yep. The Red R- River Canoe place. What is the, there? the story with uh, the Bell Witch? I don't—I just have, like, heard that name, but I don't know the story behind it. Do you guys know what the story is behind it? I, I know a few details, not, like— a ton. I know that, um, like, Andrew Jackson, like, came to investigate it, like, years ago, back when it was, like, I heard that it was the only, uh, like, witch or, like, paranormal event that took place that was, like, investigated by, like, law enforcement. Really? Yeah. That's what I heard. I don't, I don't know if that's completely true, but, um... Yeah, and, like, when Andrew Jackson was the president, uh, he, like, came to Tennessee and, like, was all involved in it. And oh, I don't know. Shit. We dedicated Witch Hunt to her. Yeah. Oh, really? We did that song. <laughs> yeah. Of course. It just, just seemed to... Yeah, we had to. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Weird Sisters played, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin and the Co- Cosmics played. Did you get to see them? No. 
Friday night? I don't know which yeah. night they played. They're a great band, though. Justin's been on the podcast before. Mm. Oh, cool. Uh, but they're really, they're a good live band. They're like a punk band. Oh, Hell sick. Yeah. yeah. They're cool. Awesome. Yeah, we, it was cool getting to meet other bands there, too, that we had maybe wanted to catch a show but hadn't. Um, mm-hmm. So that was cool, just getting to see, like, the array of other bands that are in Nashville but maybe we haven't been on a bill with. Yeah, it was it was cool because, like, there were so many people that we knew that were there. But it was, like, outside of town. It, it was, was so nice like being out. It's yeah. nice not to play in Nashville. Yeah. It was I nice, mean, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like, it's fun to play here and everything. But when you go and play a place where people don't see live music all the time, it's it's different. The crowds are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, a, <laughs> it was a festival. So it just... It felt like, you know, a, a different experience all in itself because, mm-hmm. you know, we're like in this little wooded area and this different stage that's outdoors. So I feel like performing there, it felt like more of a, a concert, like, right. than just a show that we're playing at a venue. Yeah. So and people had up. like dedicated their whole weekend for the music. Mm-hmm. So like you knew that they were there. To hear For music. that reason. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Was anybody tripping balls? Could you tell while you were on stage? Um, oh, well, yeah. Definitely. Fuck yeah. I didn't notice while we were on stage, but yeah, definitely while we were there. We had people come up to the campsite and tell us they were tripping balls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and asked if we had any alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then there was, like, the people that we were, like, camping with had, uh, like, a, a bottle of really nice, like, scotch. And he came up, and mm-hmm. he was like, can I get a shot of that or something? And we were like, yeah, here's a little shot glass. And he just, like, poured it in a red Solo cup, like. Just took it straight <laughs> and was like, I'm going to the river. Yeah, he's like, I'll see y'all in the river. <laughs> Yeah, people were, like, swimming in the river at, in the middle of the night. It was hot as balls. Yeah. Yeah, some people were naked in the river. Nice. Well, yeah. Skinny dipping. Me, Kier, and Isaac wrote a song called Wet Breasts in the Creek. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> something you would write with Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just all sitting there, and we were like, I forget. Oh, we just started talking. We just and we were, conspired. And we were like, Wet Breasts in the Creek. <laughs> great tune. It has a great... A great, uh, a great ring to it. Violins <laughs> featuring Isaac. Breast <laughs> in the Creek. Catch us in 2023. So I'm proud of you guys and that you finally fucking made t-shirts. <laughs> and you right. sold t-shirts. Thank you. Yeah. So, like, you, you're the ones to make them, right? Mm-hmm. What is that process like? Have you done, have you done that before? Well, I only know what I've been taught by John's bandmate, Johnny. Johnny Boyd? Yeah. So, From the Eldridge Band? Yes. Yeah. And he has all the equipment set up in his house. Like, months and months ago, he, like, told his wife, Sarah, like, I really want to get into screen printing. And she was like, I will not let you spend the money on that until you watch tons of videos on how to do it. So he spent, like, six months just watching tutorials and figuring out how they work. So then finally he bought all the equipment because, like, you know, they want to make merch for their band and they're creative people, so they're always doing, like, creative projects and stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, Johnny helped me make the first batch 
Um, and we just, we did a design on Photoshop and then we were just like, all right, this is it. And you just get like the ink you want and, um, just press the screens individually onto the shirt uh-huh. and then you heat press them before you do the next color. It, it, it's so much more work. It's insane. You have the to do process. a color at a time. Yes. And you have to do multiple layers of the colors for them to show up. Oh shit. It is a process made with love. Yeah. And yes. you guys sold out of the shirts. Yeah. They were in batch. high demand. Yeah. We've got more right now. Mm hmm. Um, that we made second batch. So Aubrey and I, the second batch that we made, it was just like a shit show and we couldn't get the screens lined up the way that we wanted with white underneath. Cause we wanted the colors to pop a little bit more. So we spent hours trying to get these lined up and it was not working time after time, after time, hours of not working. So Johnny was like, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm just going to wake up with a level head and I'll just knock these shirts out for you. And so we got more shirts, but then in the middle of it, one of the screens blew out, which like people in the screen printing world know what that means. And if you don't have an extra screen to replace it in that moment, like you're just fucked. Like the whole process is shit and you just have to then start a you know when you have more time another day Mm -hmm. but so that happened in the middle but we still have more shirts that we did get to make and they look really cool Mm -hmm. fuck yeah yeah it's cool i mean really what all of us are doing here it it truly is diy yeah you have to do it do it yourself yeah because ain't nobody else is going to do it for you right and i i like that we do a lot of things ourselves too because I feel like we really know what we want it to look like and I mean of course we have people help like Johnny was a huge help and so did Sarah like they really help with the shirts and stuff but you know just with like our branding and stuff I feel like we like doing it because mm-hmm. yeah we just like want to have like we just don't <laughs> trust someone to like run what we've built like we don't mm-hmm. have a manager we do all of our own booking. Mm-hmm. We do most of our own graphics. Yeah. It's just, I mean, eventually, like, it would come in handy. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's hard to, like, hand that trust over to, like, something that your, like, heart and soul is in. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't just let anyone, like, like have contr- any control over that. You well, know? especially here, too, because there's, there's a million people who are like, oh, yeah, I'll help you out. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? They might not have the best intentions or they're just trying to collect money from you, basically. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that's what my, my whole thing is, too, is just, like, do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, how badly do you actually want to do it? Right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. Yeah, well, there's just, like, and it's, it just seems more authentic to, like, do it yourself, too, and it just shows, like, how much you really care about mm-hmm. what you're putting out, and people can see that, and it reflects a lot. Yeah, because if you, like, treat it like a job anyways, then, you know, you're, like, you wouldn't just let somebody else do the task at your job that you're supposed to do. Like, you would take the reins and do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like in an ideal world, if we had somebody to help us, like, manage and stuff, it would have to be, like, somebody who was already an established friend mm-hmm. that we trusted, you know? Yeah. And we know would, like, have our back fully and stuff. 
Oh yeah. Well, it, you really, what you are is, um, small business owners. Yeah. Right. And you're in the startup phase right now mm-hmm. and that could last a year, three years, five years. There's no real way of right. knowing. Yeah. 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 Things have definitely changed a lot for me in the way I see things. Um, with doing music and like all the extracurriculars in my life, uh, just because of the health shit that I've had go- going on, you know, because mm-hmm. I've really been kind of on the sidelines, you know, it's the reason why I love Violet Moons and the Weird Sisters. I'm still playing for Norfleet, but that's so like sporadic. It's not something we're doing constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to Josh earlier on the phone. And he was just uh, burned out. He was like, I have a hell week this week. And I remember what that was like. Mm-hmm. And I just don't ever want to have to go back to that again to where I'm like, I just got so worn out because it's like dry, like wake up, drive, go to like come home, practice on my own real quick, go to rehearsal, try and sleep for a couple of hours, wake up, drive, do a podcast. And it became this cycle yeah. And uh, I just got caught up in it and I got mentally and emotionally burned out as well as, as physically. And I couldn't really do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's exhausting. It's like when you combine rehearsals with the shows, with the writing, with the job you're working to with be your the full time job that you have to do to survive. It's yeah, definitely. It, it's exhausting. You're like just a little above water. And, how it feels and like the whole even like social aspect to it like knowing that you're gonna have to go socialize with people which mm-hmm. it's like it's awesome but it like it definitely takes a lot out of you you know that you're gonna have to be in that kind of it does me headspace for sure no I knew anytime I played a show with you guys that no one would want to talk to me anyways <laughs> so I, I, I didn't have to worry about it I was like I can just like hang out me and Josh can hang out over here me Josh and James uh, and Aubrey and Kiera will go socialize and talk to everybody and we can we'll just kind of chill yeah <laughs> Hey, you guys don't worry. You just sit back and relax. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a tough life, though. But at the end of the day, it's re- it's really not if you think about it. Like, we get to p- fucking play music. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. It's like while we're on stage doing it, I'm not thinking about anything else. Like, except how much fun I'm having. Yeah, you're yeah. just in the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, while it's happening, like, all I care about are the songs that we're playing and, like how great it is but yeah like when you're not on stage doing it you're just like ah like now i have to go do this it's yeah. overwhelming yeah. you know it, it and that was something i think that gave me a lot of anxiety is just all this shit surrounding the music stuff and it's been nice for me to kind of unplug and just chill because like the extent of my playing music right now is just making demos for fun I feel like I'm trying to get back to this place I was before I moved to Nashville, which is just me kind of sitting alone working on things and reigniting my love because I've been I've been a musician now for half my life. It's all I've ever known of Mm -hmm. of like I want to do this with my life. Mm -hmm. And I remember just when I was living in Maine, I was living in this um the shitty like $400 apartment um 
and it was a, a one bedroom like studio. Like you walk in and there was the stove and the refrigerator. There was a little like a little hallway and then my bedroom and the bathroom. And I would just go home at night from working my sales job and I would get stoned mm-hmm. and just be writing songs and recording songs and dreaming of moving to Nashville. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're like once you're here living it, it's a totally different thing yes. than what you imagine. One thousand percent. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah I guess you, you have a different perspective because you didn't even move to to Nashville to play music. Nope. Yeah. You just moved to Nashville to move. Yeah. Never thought that like I at this point in my life like I feel like. Usually, I mean, you know, Aubrey is 22, so I feel like that's a good age to, like, release an album. Not saying any time is too late, but it's just kind of, like, a funny timing for it all for me. Because, like, I thought by now I'd have, like, be married and have, like, children and stuff. And I have cats now, and I'm making an (laughs) album. It's so weird. None of that. (laughs) Yeah, I I can relate to that in a way, because I'm fucking 30 now and I'm just like I still have roommates one of my occupations sorry Danny this is not a knock at you is a car, being a carpet cleaner you Shout know out what to I Danny. mean yeah. someone's gotta do it I feel like it's like a relationship you know when you're in a relationship with someone for a while like true love I think is falling in and out of love with someone and it's okay to fall out of love with someone um, and you can still love them, but not be in love with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, and then it's like one day the right, the light just hits them right. And they say a funny joke or something. And you're like, wow, I really love this person. Mm-hmm. I'm so, you know what I mean? That lucky to be in love feeling. Yeah. Um, and I haven't felt that with music in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And I want to get back to those, those basics. And it, it kind of got reignited just sitting here alone on my couch doing demos again without the intention of really doing anything other than just making music because it was what's inside of me. Yeah. You're not putting pressure on it. You're just doing it because you feel it. Right. It's like when like, you know, like when artists release their first album and it's so like, they're not going for anything. It's just themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like their first album is always just like their raw unedited self and like who knows what comes after that but it's like always the first album Mm -hmm. where there's not like not as much of that pressure you're not trying to write hits or anything like you know right you're just writing to write I can just think of so many bands where it's just like their first album they were just like well this is what we do like they don't have anything to go off of so they're just like this is it you know yeah yeah and then it's the one of the stereotypes in the music business is a sophomore slump that your second album is not as good as your first, but there's a lot of albums that contradict that statement. Like mm-hmm. I feel like Sam's town by the killers is as good or if not better than hot fuss or, uh, Franz Ferdinand, their first album compared to their second album. I think their second album is better. Um, but so, some bands can, can do that they can release their first album and it can be really good and then release an amazing fucking second album Mm -hmm. because it's like they the the pressure in a a weird way is off it's a pressure that you don't even know is there Mm -hmm. 
Um, but yeah, it, it can be, uh, it can be draining. I think mm-hmm. being creative and trying to record and have a career, like I, I definitely get up in my, my own head about it, you know, yeah. and I become crazy. Like, what am I doing? And really because of everything I've had going on, I've just had to chill without doing anything. Like yeah. just straight up, like watching movies and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but things are getting back to relatively normal for me, um, at least compared to how they were. But there was a while there, like in January. I mean, you guys saw it whenever we would have rehearsal and shit. Josh would have to come get me. And I was just, yeah. I was depressed as shit. Mm-hmm. Like in January, I was just down. Mm-hmm. And um, a big moment for me where I realized like, oh shit, what am I doing? Is when I had to call it a gig with you guys. Like very fucking last minute when I got super sick. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had my car all loaded and I was not just doing well. And, um, I called Josh and told him I wasn't feeling good. And he's like, hold on, let me call Kiara. And then John, of course, he was able to step in last minute, thankfully. Yeah. But it was a reality check moment for me. Cause, uh, I was just like, I can't, I can't put people at risk what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it was a bad feeling. I never called that on a gig before. That was the first gig I ever called out on. Yeah. What was out of your control? It was it was out of my control. But here's the thing, though. I I think, too, the thing I struggle with is uh, so much of how I saw myself was like, oh, I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. Where now I feel like I'm moving towards something where music is a thing I do and it's not necessarily, like, who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, like finding the identity in it. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a piece of me for sure. Uh, but I'll shut the fuck up about me now. Uh, moments <laughs> fleeting. <laughs> the Yay. debut album by Violet Moons is now streaming everywhere. It is. Congratulations! I got to play on a few songs. It was a great experience. Thank you. Thanks. Yes. It was um, fun. Glad to have you. Yeah, of course. Uh, so what was the, the process like? Because you guys had recorded and released a few singles mm-hmm. before you even had like an album. Right. So how did it start? The first song was, was Hexaman that you released. Yep. But what was it from there? Was it always the intention of we're going to record an album or were you just doing songs? I think... I mean, I think that we always wanted to make an album, but when we released Hexaman, I mean, that was just kind of like a one-off. Yeah, we, we recorded it in John's basement. Oh, then, shit, that's right. Yeah, okay, we yeah. recorded Hexaman in John's basement, and then Mike, like, mixed it yeah. and everything, but we were like, let's... I remember we played it for Will and John, and they were like, okay... <laughs> Let, let's fill in the pieces here. Yeah, let's let's take this apart a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just like, we don't know what's going to happen with this. <laughs> yeah. I but mean, let's because... try it. And yeah, like they helped us record it. And mm-hmm. then it was after that. And then we ended up like just going over to Mike's. And then we did Witch yeah. Hunt. We did Witch Hunt all at Mike's, right? Yep. Witch Hunt all at Mike's. But the... Starboard Sound. Yes, mm-hmm. Starboard Mike Sound. Mike Fade. Mm-hmm. Look that shit up. He is just, I feel like, the best person to work with. Amazing. 
amazing person, amazing engineer. He just like, comp- like he got it. Yeah, he c- and he was excited totally about it. it too. You know, he yeah. had like faith in us the whole time and whatnot. But we actually did witch hunt, coming undone, and Earth time all in the same round, like with the um, the drums and bass first. Um, so we technically had those two done way before we did the the other songs. Um, and then with you was when yeah. we we did the rest of the tracks and released False Prophet. Right, because it wasn't until like when Witch Hunt and uh, Coming Undone when we laid down like the bass and drums for those. Like we weren't even like playing full band at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. you guys had just sent me those songs like right when I had joined the band and you're like check out these other songs we did we're gonna be yeah. playing these mm-hmm. right like and that. they were just like rough mixes mm-hmm. they yeah. weren't even done yet yeah that was like before we were even cause we didn't even really start playing full band until like last August yeah so probably like a, about a year ago yeah at the, five spot. At the five spot mm-hmm. that was a good wow. show wow holy shit yeah it's crazy to think that was That's years insane. ago. I yeah. didn't even like realize. That. I think it was on August fifth, actually. I well, like looking oh my ba- gosh, back yeah. on it, I feel like the fifth sticks out to me for some reason. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah the fifth or sixth, like yeah. that first week. That's insane. I just feel like there has been I because there has been so many shows since then. It feels like way longer ago. Yeah, we played a, a lot of shows. Like I played a lot of shows with you guys. You guys are still yeah. playing shows now, but. We played a lot. We did. Yeah. We, we had a lot of rehearsals, too. Mm-hmm. Like, we were hitting it for a minute. We were grinding. Yeah. February of this year, I think we did, like, 10 or 11 shows. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys also play as a duo, too. Mm-hmm. Right. So we did some duo shows. Which opens up, I think, a whole other world for you guys. Because it's like, not only can you book the full band shows, but it's also you can go two hours away to go play a gig somewhere yeah and do like more covers and shit just because it, like the whole band doesn't have to learn it yeah right it is yeah. nice it is nice doing both because mm-hmm. then obviously if we want to travel like we don't have to feel like gathering you know the the bunch and mm-hmm. figuring all the details with that and it's yeah and they're all involved in like different projects too which is like awesome but yeah but it's nice to, like, have the flexibility. And depending on the venue, too. Like, there's some venues, like, listening rooms where it's, like... That's it doesn't Right. It doesn't always make sense to play full band, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. You guys want to get into the album, like, song by song? Yeah, let's sure. do it. Okay, so the first song is Earth Time. What's the story with Earth Time? Man, Earth Time started out so much slower. <laughs> like and most of our songs. <laughs> yeah, I I think that I wrote most of Earth Time and it was like this slow kind of like solemn number. And when I showed Aubrey, she was like, I could see this being like a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of just like took it from there. Um, the meaning behind it was actually like I was thinking about my grandma (laughs) and so it's kind of yeah I was kind of thinking of more like oh my gosh like not to be dark but like one day she's gonna be up in heaven or whatever that looks like and what what's that gonna be like you know I don't know it's kind of like emotional but when you hear it it doesn't sound emotional at all no I I wouldn't have guessed that that would, would 
like what it was about. Mm-hmm. It's like, like looking about, like looking at it like big picture wise, like mm-hmm. from far away, like her, her per, like her perspective up here, mm-hmm. and you're just like on a completely different, like you're caught up in your career and your your bullshit, your bullshit yeah. down here, and she's just like. Midge is like, whatever. Yeah. She's like, she I'm doing know? my thing up here. <laughs> I don't know if she knows or not. She'd probably be like, oh, okay, Kira, whatever you say. <laughs> Midge does not like Hexaman. <laughs> she doesn't like no. it. She <laughs> thought the music video was so weird. <laughs> she, said, she, said, she said, I don't know what you guys are even saying or something. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to grandmas to be honest, right? Oh, she's honest. (laughs) Well, here is Earth Time.
also started out a lot slower didn't it i mean it's slow but it started out like very melancholy mm-hmm. and then we were like i feel like that song's kind of about like realizations like it was like the song that was because we wrote Huxman. that was the first song we wrote together and which was kind of like oh we can write music together mm-hmm. like we have something going on here it's kind of about like realizations and like Kiera's life took such a turn and like it was kind of like just about like reflecting on yeah and I feel like everybody can relate to like a darker time that you've been through and then when you like kind of come to the light of it all and you're looking back you're like whoa you know yeah and then we like didn't know what to call the song for a while Mm -hmm. like we should just call it fucking witch hunt because that's what we wanted to call the band that was our old band name so yeah it's like an ode to that and yeah <laughs> i know that story <laughs> you know <laughs> um yeah witch hunt it really feels uh in a lot of ways like it's the the sequel song to to hexaman mm-hmm. you know what i mean it, it feels like it doesn't feel like it's it's like ripping it off or anything like that but it feels like Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. Yeah, you know it's chapter I mean? two. Yeah, yeah, it feels like it very, it, yeah, because it was it was the second one, but yeah, it makes sense as the the second song on the record. Yeah, it's like this awakening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a song about like realizations and like yeah, just like awakenings to like what you're truly capable of.
What? What you said? <laughs> I have a lot to, we have a lot to say about coming undone. There's coming a lot to unpack a there. Fun one to unpack. I'm yeah. Let's okay. <laughs> yes, coming undone. Let's unpack it. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. Where, I don't even know where to start. I don't. I don't know, I don't know how to get into it either. <laughs> to me, this one sounds like a a James Bond song. Yeah, it, it sounds like suspicious. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> very sus. It, oh, it's very sus. <laughs> Usually, we, it's like because when we play shows, we don't really like talk about the songs. We're always like, it's kind of fun to like, yeah, dive into them, them now <laughs> because we're like always letting the songs like speak for themselves. But the idea for coming undone, we were both we were we were talking about this experience of like people ripping you off like copying your shit and like to a T right so Aubrey was mentioning someone that she knew that like was doing everything that she was doing copying everything she was doing and kind of taking like credit for it and I was going through the same thing (laughs) and it was just like whoa this is surreal like you can't not write a song about this yeah and yeah, when yeah. if you listen like the lyrics, I feel like very much depict like how we were feeling about yeah. those scenarios. Yeah, because it's like it's kind of angry. It yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's not like a hard song, but it, it, the, the lyrics are angry. Yeah, they're uh, kind of like savage, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, plus on this one, too, when we, we played it live, we changed it a little bit at the end. I don't know if it's this way on, like, the recorded version, but James is, like, doing this, mm-hmm. like, Civil War marching beat at the end. Yes. Oh, I love that part when we play yes. it live. And he, oh, that is, I love that part when we play it live. James just destroys it. Well, and for a while, too, we would say... Like we would use the term like unhinged, but that didn't that couldn't really be saying. So we were like, "What about coming undone?" Coming unhinged. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have the same ring yeah. to it. It didn't flow right. So it, it's like the way we were feeling about these situations, and like the way it felt inside was like literally like you're unhinged. So you're like coming undone. You're like losing your shit. Yeah. Like Jorah when his food bowl is empty. Exactly like that. Jorah's coming undone. Yeah.
False prophet. You go first. <laughs> I go first. I don't know what to say. It's like a. It's about a god complex. Because we know a lot of people who have those yeah. <laughs> in this town. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Um, but almost taking like a, a biblical approach to the to the song to have some irony to yeah. the whole false prophet right. idea, like the snake slithering around, kind of gives this like Adam and Eve sort serpent of, vibes, yeah, like persuasive and like manipulative and like mm-hmm. knows how to word things, lure you in, yeah, all of that, yeah. This one was always one of the most fun I think to play live because mm-hmm. it highlights like not only like it's your guys' songwriting ability but it I really feel like it highlighted Josh and James and I as players too because mm-hmm. we were all kind of doing the thing that we were good at mm-hmm. where it's like I was grooving a little bit I love what James does in those fucking choruses where he's on like the Tom Toms yeah. and he's doing like, the Nirvana thing yes um, and then Josh it's just cool like and live, what was, what's funny about a lot of these songs is we would have guitar solos live, mm-hmm. and Josh would be shredding on them, and then in the studio, you did some studio magic, did a few things, and it, mm-hmm. sound, it sounds good, mm-hmm. but um, what I liked about playing with you guys versus listening to the record, it's two different experiences, because uh, like live playing, we were a rock band. You guys are a rock band, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. in the studio, it's funny, because I look at the the session that we played on and mm-hmm. it really I feel like captured what we were doing live. It was pretty yeah. much yeah. like just us playing together in a room. Yeah. Right. For sure. And I, I feel like this song is the best example of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This because it's like I have like I would say if I had to pick like which hunts my favorite song of ours, it's like the one that I feel most connected to. It's like one of the earlier ones. Mm-hmm. But False Prophet is so much fun to play live. Yeah. And, like, the energy is just always there with that one. It's crazy, too, because when we wrote it and we used to play it just as a duo, I would play bass on it with your old bass. I remember. Yeah, that's and the, right. Yeah. The feel was so different. So much slower. It it's was like how all of our songs start. Yeah. <laughs> but it also was kind of like we pictured, like, this James Bond kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Like... A little bit Western influence sounding, and now we play it live, and it's like a rock song. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it has this like Nirvana feel, and it's very fun. I feel like it wasn't until we like really got into the studio, and we heard that fucking amp that mm-hmm. Mike had, and we were like, "Oh, that Supro or whatever it was." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. It was cool because um, Josh was also doing like the Ramones, like downstroke, mm-hmm. just, like da 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 da. I love it. I yeah. loved it. Right. Yeah. It it fits.
Okay, how do you pronounce this next one? <laughs> Estás destinado a mí? Yes, and that is the next song on the <laughs> album. Yeah. Um, this is a great song. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, we were like, fuck it. Let's let's put a, a Spanglish song on yep. there. Um, yeah, I mean, because I, I feel like it makes sense that all the songs that are on the album, it makes sense for all of them to be on this album, but they're not. It doesn't all sound the same at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like too left field, but it's, like, very diverse. Mm-hmm. The production and the playing on this one is phenomenal, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but, like, even the keys that John was playing, Love the, the guitar, it, it was it's all perfect, you know? Because, mm-hmm. uh, like, you guys are such great songwriters, and you had the musicians for this one, like, do their thing. And I'm, I'm very much into, like, a lot of Latin music. Mm-hmm. So I was so fucking excited to finally be able to use some of that in this song. Yeah. I was for it. Yeah. And this one, like, I, we, like, knocked this one out. Like, you knew just what to do. James knew just what to do. Like... Because James does all that percussion yeah. shit. It sounds great. He had, yeah. like, the washboard, and, like, it was just, like, you went in there and cut it, and it was done. Yeah. Like, y'all just knew what to do to it. It was perfect. This John is an, knew what to do with it. Like, the keys in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, this is an older song, too, right? Because mm-hmm. this was, like, I remember hearing you, like, whenever you've done a solo show, hearing you play this one live always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote I wrote this one back when I first moved to Nashville oh, 28, in 2018. So. And we played it at that first show you were at at Kimbrough's. And I we played did. bass on it. I, rem- I remember that. Yeah, yes. that's right. And I used John's bass. Wong, like, won it. We were like, won it? Wong it. Rung it. Wong, Wong it. it. We Wong just, it? we just. You know what I mean. On the fly. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> yeah, we did. And then, like, going, because I went to Mexico and June and I like played we were like out on a boat a private like snorkeling tour and I was like talking to the captain and their English like wasn't great because I'm not I used to be like almost fluent when I wrote this song I was like almost fluent and like I've kind of lost it over the years but um like their English wasn't like they didn't know a ton of English but I was like I have this song I'm a musician like I played it for them (laughs) While we were out on the boat, and I like played them the recording, and I was like, "Don't make fun of my my American accent." And they were like, "If you don't make fun of our English, we won't make fun of your Spanish." And it was like really sweet. That is so and sweet. So we were looking at on our Spotify for artists too, because while I was in Mexico, I was telling everyone about because we had just released False Prophet, and we have Mexico listeners. We have like streams in Mexico, and yeah. <laughs> That that is a, the other thing that that's kind of funny. Like, well, you have you have that the that song mm-hmm. that's you know in Spanglish, mm-hmm. um, but it's crazy how like around the world rock music is big in places that aren't America. Like it's it's yeah. big here. Don't get me wrong. Like there's people doing big tours like the Black Keys and people like that. But like a band like Arctic Monkeys for years. They could go down to Brazil and sell out a soccer stadium, but they would be playing, like, venues the size of Exit Inn in the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. I Yeah, that's a really good point. And I was I was hoping that people wouldn't take it, like, the wrong way, too. Like, 
you know what I mean? It's Cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah like nobody trying to cancel. It's more like just a, it's an appreciation for the culture and like yeah. just like an admiration for it. And especially like after going to Mexico, just like Well, know. it's a pretty song. Like you, you guys have a lot of pretty songs, don't get me wrong, but I would say in some ways that's the the prettiest. You know, it's the most romantic. It is yeah, very it's just, romantic. It's just a love song, you know? It's just yeah. Man. Oh. The first one. The very first. Man, what even to say about I that? Know. 
This one always brought down the house when we played it. Yeah. Oh, Whether we yeah. opened with it or closed with it, <laughs> it got everybody's attention. Cody Parsons when we played it. Yeah. Eastern that one time we went to play <laughs> Hexman. He was like, I fucking love this song. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, yeah. I don't know. It, it's always fun for me because, yeah, like it's the first song we ever wrote together. And I, besides Hexaman, I had only written one song in my life. So it's just like Insane. crazy to see like where it's gone from the, the first time we ever sat down and we were playing it in our garage and just like humming a melody but had no words and I remember when we were piecing it together I do too I remember you took a video of me and I was wearing a green romper I remember doing it in the garage on your old like well not old but you know your Yamaha oh yeah yeah the keys yeah I remember we were going to Blue Bear Barn yep to play Beatles covers (laughs) yep for Beatles night (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and we're, we had those chords. We're like, we're like we right to this. Meanwhile, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was just, it's just such a fun song. What we never saying? said this, but I feel like a lot of inspiration for Hexaman came from that Rico Nasty song. Yes, Smack a Bitch. It's called Smack a Bitch. <laughs> yeah, we never told you this. No. Literally, the lyrics are, thank God I didn't have to smack a bitch today. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, we would always listen to that We song. were, yes, we were on a very big kick of that song. Because we kind of hated our job at the time. And, like, listening to that in the car, driving home, it was just like, oh, getting out this anger. Kira and I would drive to work at 6 in the morning because we worked at the same place at the time. We would drive to work at, like, 6 a.m. and just blast smack a bitch. Yeah, and <laughs> after. And it's, like, the same, like, verbiage. Hexman yeah. And smack a bitch. Thank God. Is that when you worked at the, <laughs> the cafe at the college? Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> We've never even said that. Yeah. <laughs> I told someone that at That's the Eastern at our last exclusive. show. I was like, you know the song Smack a Bitch by Rico Nasty? And they were like, I do. And I was like, yeah, you that's where that stemmed that from. I will listen to that song. <laughs> Honestly, you when you guys introduce it live from now on, you should bring that up. We should. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just never. We never. That's a good idea. People yeah. are then going to go give her streams. Yeah. I mean, it's like a completely different. Like, it doesn't sound like that song. Right. Hers is not spooky <laughs> or like anything like that. It's very just like pop rap. But. Right. But we like it's got hilarious. Like, the essence though. is there. Yeah. yeah, we got like kind of the inspiration from it. They're both meant to be funny, I think. That's yeah. what I'll say. That's great about that song in general is because it's like a a serious topic, but you guys are funny about it. It's like a yeah. humorous take on it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like kind of a joke. It is. Yeah, yeah. that's what's good about it, though. Yeah. Like that. Like I remember when I, when I first heard it, I was like, oh shit, and I was like, oh shit, this is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's like the verses are kind of a bit more, uh, you know. Yeah.
Fun and games. Fun and James. Fun and James. Fun and James. I love calling it that. Um, fun and fun and games is like one of our harder ones. This is another one that was like we were playing it live in a, a straight up rock tune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which isn't like really what I was when I wrote because I also wrote this one. I think when I first moved into the house that we live at now. Um, I, I wrote that one and it was just, I just wrote it on acoustic like didn't really like necessarily think that it was like gonna be like a rock song but it does make sense like the the timing of it is very like it's just like bomb bomb right which I always knew that I wanted that part in it that Josh plays the like the hook you know yeah. um, I always knew I wanted that part in it but um like, when we went to the studio and recorded it, and, like, John added so much, like, grit to it. Yeah, and some extra layers of guitar, too. Yeah, it just made it really, like, meaty. I remember we were in John's basement when you showed me this song for that the very first time. You were just, like, holding your guitar, and you were just kind of, like, strumming those chords. And I was like, what's that for? And you were like, oh, I'm kind of messing around with this song. And I was like... I want to hear it. And she like played it. And I was like, why don't we do that? We should do that. And she was like, yeah, I was kind of thinking we maybe could. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and then everything else came after, but like, it was just so casual. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I love the way that you do the bridge. Cause you just like put your own take on it and like made it what it is. You think? Yeah, because it's like, I wrote the lyrics, but Mm -hmm. I feel like you give it this, uh, like, you made it what it is. I don't know. But it's, it's, (laughs) I love playing that one live, too. I think it's, it's a fun one. I love when Kira plays the tambourine, too. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yeah. Tambourine. She's good at it. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I could. Yes, you could. I think anybody could. Honestly, the tambourine is hard to play. I don't think I could be not awkward, like, Like, you look good doing it. Oh, well, thanks.
the most psychedelic song on the record, Wind Chimes. You think it's the most psychedelic? I, I definitely think it's the most psychedelic. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, between the lyrics and the production, mm-hmm. um, there's just like a lot of sounds. Like I don't know, it, it, it's it's like the most Pink Floydy song I think on the record. Hmm. Cool. I love the intro. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first song I ever wrote, ever. It was, like, it was a poem. I remember I was living in Indiana, and I would, like, literally work my 9-to-5 job, and then I would go on walks, and I just had a journal, and I would just start kind of, like, writing poems in there, and that was, like, a complete poem, and my dad let me borrow his electric guitar, and I just started for fun playing any little thing on the guitar and so I wrote that song on the guitar and um when I like eventually moved to Nashville like I mean I went the whole like first year not doing anything musically at all and then I think maybe I showed Aubrey it as one of my solo songs I'm just kind of like what do you think about this and um yeah and then from there like when we've done solo shows and stuff like I play it out and about but I don't know. It's like a near and dear song to my heart because like, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of like an essence of like where I started and where I am now kind of thing. But yeah, it's a beautiful song. Hey, you guys played that too. When, uh, that night I saw you play at Kimbrose. Yeah. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Wow. We I forgot about that. You played Truth Hurts by Lizzo as well. Oh, yeah. my God. I can't believe you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on Wind Chimes 2, John and I actually played every instrument. So I played the electric guitar, the the acoustic guitar, and then the, the I think there's two, or there's the synth on it. And then he played the, the drums, bass, and organ. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it was fun because there was like no... There wasn't really any um, straight direction. It was kind of just like, let's just try this, and you can just try that. It was like no pressure. It was just fun mm-hmm. and to get the complete product thing.
Broken Clocks. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the third song we ever wrote. Yeah. That we used to play out. When we would play out, we would play covers, and we would play Hexman, Witch Hunt, and Broken Clocks. Yeah, and that's all was, we had for a while. Those were, like, our three originals that we always had. We could count mm-hmm. on. And then we had to figure the rest out <laughs> for the yep. set. This one was another one that was, like, a showstopper. Like, I feel like people would always, like, they, they would always perk their ears up mm-hmm. for Hexaman and for uh, for Broken Clocks. Because, mm-hmm. like, when we were, we were playing it live, you guys would, it's just the two of you. Yeah. And it is on the record, too, but you start out, and, it, and I like that you do it, like, slower, and then the band comes in with that big note. Boom. Yeah. 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 It's like a... That acapella thing at first really is an attention grabber, I think. Yeah. You know, because our voices... And it's, like, so much fun playing with the band. We love it. Mm -hmm. Vocally, when it's just the two of us, it's easier. Like, it just is, you know? Yeah. 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 So it's, like... Which one is, too. Yeah. But I feel like that's one that, like, our, our harmonies for have always just been, like, very locked in. And I think it's so cool now playing Broken Clocks out because a lot of our... I don't know. It's so fun. Like when you look out into the crowd and people are singing broken clocks, like they, they know the words to the chorus. I think that's just like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Well, it's the, where you got the title for the record too. Mm-hmm. Cause yep. of moments fleeting, like broken clocks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, we talk a lot about like time, you know, and it's like starting with earth time and then like ending with broken clocks. It was like, yeah, it really like kind of all comes full circle talking about like your time here being limited and just like broken clocks is like the passing of time and yep. talk a lot about the past and what we're doing in the in the current and then going from there yeah what the future kind of looks like yeah i love the lyrics to broken clocks there's some of my which kira wrote most of the lyrics to that one and i love those lyrics so much i feel like it just kind of like encompasses is that the right word I don't know. Yeah. It, like, mm-hmm. encompasses the entire album and, like, kind of, like, summarizes it. And I agree. Yeah, it kind of puts a bow on things nicely. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it kind of, talk, you know, we talk about, like, we have songs about, um, you know, that time is a big thing. We have songs about, like, love and loss. We have songs about, Scorn. Like, yeah, yeah. Being angry or kind of feeling like vengeful about yeah. things, like yeah, all of that, and just like broken clocks. I feel like just like sums everything kind of up. Mm-hmm. It just felt like we were both like, yeah, that should be that should be the one at the end. Yeah, and the two songs like Earth Time and Broken Clocks were kind of meant to be like bookends. Like Earth Time starts with the kind of like. Um, I don't know. It kind of gives like a carnival feel of like, this is the beginning of the show. And then mm-hmm. Broken Clocks is like the ending of it. And it, like the they, grand finale. Yeah. Kind of. And they both kind of like start and end in Mellotron. So it's like kind of a little bit orchestral. and Yeah. Just because it is such like a diverse album. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about, we're singing about so many different things. Mm-hmm. So many different feels. And yeah. it just seemed like... It made sense to start with this one and with this one. Yeah. Well, I got I to gotta throw some love, too, at Mike and John for working on this album because they were really able 
to like sonically tie everything together because there's a lot of different things going on yeah. on the record. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of different styles. You yeah. Know Absolutely. What I mean? yeah. yeah. Those two are some of like my favorite people in the entire world. Yeah. Same. And I feel like they both were always down to try whatever we wanted to do and like I mean, they both just have so much experience, like either on the production side or in the musicianship side that they had a lot to offer to us that like when we're not thinking the ban- the big scheme of things as like a full production, they were able to be like, this would be really cool here. Right. And how would you guys feel about this? Right. And they were, they still gave us like that independence and like Mm -hmm. knew that those were our songs and they wanted to make our songs the best that it could be. And just like wanted to amplify them and not change them, but just like bring them to life more. Yeah. Which means a lot.
people find you at? Spotify, Apple Music. I still call it iTunes, and it's not. I call it iTunes, too. It's because we're millennials. <laughs> I do, do you guys remember, would you ever get, like, iTunes gift cards in your stocking for Christmas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember, so when iTunes first came out, they had this promotion where um, if you got a Pepsi, there was, like, a code uh, that you could go and redeem songs offline for. Oh my god! And that's like I got so much free music from iTunes. <laughs> I was just constantly getting Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah, I got the whole first Killers record like that because it was released right around the same time as that promotion was happening, and iTunes was just kicking off as well. I was like oh, thirteen man. or fourteen, maybe. Wow. So it was just like the perfect time for me. That's wild. I wish we could give gift cards now in yeah. stockings that could give them, like, a direct QR code door. Yeah, I, it's just crazy. Like, I remember getting an iTunes gift card for, like, 15 bucks, and I'd be like, oh. You can get, like, 15 songs like I, that. Yeah. yeah, songs were 99 cents a piece. I wouldn't even buy full records, though. I'd be like, I need to save these. I was like, I'm going to buy this song because I really like this song, and then I'm going to save them because I'm yep. really going to like this song. The beginning of playlists. And then I'd be like, fuck, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out of I'm out of money. Yeah, <laughs> so we're on, we're on iTunes <laughs> and Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, I think that we're on like pretty much. Yeah, most of most of like the things, most of the standard streaming platforms. What shows do you guys have coming up? This will be coming out next Monday. Oh, um, what is time? Um. Next Monday, we ooh, we're I think we're gonna we're, we'll be having Possum Stock coming up. Yeah, Possum Stock. Up we're, in Clarksville. Yeah, we're doing a lot of out of town stuff. We've got some shows booked in Indiana. Nice, Kokomo. Yeah. Uh, we're not doing one in Kokomo, but we're doing um, some show a show in Indianapolis at Healer. It's this really cool DIY venue. We're playing with some Indiana bands there, which will be cool. Um, it's, it's, we're doing that. And then we're doing a festival called phase seven. Um, and it's in Spencer, Indiana. And nice. Duo shows. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Girl time. Yep. And Girl I power. Think after that, we're going to be doing spoopy fest in October. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of it, we're still trying to put together our October schedule. We've got a few things that are... You, you got, we're right on the... Up in the air. On the on the borderline of October. Yeah, we'll get... Yeah, we'll keep you posted. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us. Of course. Take your shoes off. <laughs> I like this rug. You know who has great deals on rugs? Ollie's. Yes. Ollie's Bargain Mart in yes. Madison. <laughs> yeah, man. We need a big rug like this in the garage. They've yeah. got deals on deals there. Uh huh.